We are back for another episode of the Slapshot Sammy podcast. I didn't even mention it last time because we were just so excited to get into it, me and Warren, that it was the 10th episode last week of the Slapshot Sammy podcast. So everyone for listening, anyone who has listened, anyone who has tuned in, thank you so much. When I started this thing, you know, you're just excited and hope it lasts a little bit um, and the success it's had. Um, seeing the the fact that we've hit 10 episodes, the fact that I've seen people download it on Spotify. It's just been really exciting. So thank you guys so much for listening. Very excited for the 10th episode. I'm going to celebrate the 11th episode here today by going with the Dallas Stars edition. I've been wanting to do this for a few weeks now um, to cover the stars in more depth. So we're going to have, I'm going to go over the, my current NHL power rankings, the top 16 or 17 teams that I think right now um, at the end here, but I really want to dive into the stars and kind of see what's going on here as we near the end of the season now with only a few weeks left to go. So let's jump right in. Uh, the trade deadline last week was one that we expected not really to be a big one for the stars. Um, they don't have a lot of cap space. They, they have a lot of pieces and they were in a little bit of a tough spot where we weren't sure if they were going to push for a playoff spot, uh, maybe fold a little bit or just push with what they had. Um, in a way, some people thought, saw it as them folding, not necessarily with any transactions they made because they didn't make any trades. They were, they were no, no trades, no people left the team. Um, they did sign Sammy Vatanen, as we spoke about a little bit last week, to fill in a little bit for their, their back end as they go into another ridiculous stretch of games here. But what they did do is announce that uh, Ben Bishop and Alexander Radulov would be done for the season. It was originally said that, along with Tyler Sagan, those two were getting ready to return. They had both started skating again back in Texas and were getting ready to, to hopefully return to practice soon. So with that says, looking at looking at that, them both getting pulled for the season and then looking at where the team is at, um, all the overtime losses that were racking up, the bad luck that was going on, the injuries that just kept hitting them, the fact that they had the toughest schedule ahead of them of any team in the league, you, I could see how you think it would be a fold. And I honestly did a little bit too, where I thought, okay, they're going to push, they're going to try to make the playoffs, but they kind of maybe fell back a little bit here. They're not pushing like the Florida Panthers did and the Carolina Hurricanes did and Tampa Bay and all those guys that really thought we have a shot. Um, and even Nashville ended up buying more pieces. But then I kind of looked deeper into it. And first of all, Radulov and Bishop were not pulled for the season just as a precaution. Uh, Bishop actually ended up skating and was supposed to be getting better. And then his knee ended up getting worse. Um, it looked like that was this was the him returning before the end of the season was kind of a best case scenario situation um, for his rehab, and they decided it's a better idea for us to hold him out um, and not risk him hurting it more because they don't think he would be as productive enough. Um, you know, he wasn't like he was coming in and he was like, okay, I think I'm fully healthy. It would help maybe to have a couple months. It wasn't that kind of situation at all. It was actually flaring up and reacting negatively to him pushing it. Um, so he folded for the season. He's going to get better. He sh he's everything's set for him to be back for training camp in the next before next season. Alexander Radulov, same situation. So Radulov, they came out and, and announced that it was a core muscle injury, um, which we know we know happens to a lot of forwards. Uh, Steven Stamkos most recently, and it was reacting the same way. It was actually getting worse. So um, he came back uh, about twelve, maybe now sixteen games ago uh, to play a few games for the Stars. Went scored a goal, won the game in the shootout against Columbus, and then ended up dropping off again. And I think it's because it reacted the wrong way. So. 
With that being said, yes, the Stars are going to be without one of their best forwards and their starting goalie for the rest of the season. But if we take a look at what they've been doing, they might still be pushing for it. Um, Ottinger's playing great. Hudobin's kind of returning to form a little bit. And they're still right in the hunt of the of the mix. So um, originally, I was going to kind of say, you know, do we agree with them kind of folding? Now I'm almost just going to say, I don't think they did. I don't think that they put, you know, folded and said, let's let's re-rack for next year. I think that they are really making decisions to push and really try to make this fourth and final playoff spot. And um, they're not far out of it as of now. So the, let's update here now. How are they still in this hunt? They were so mediocre for so long, but so was everybody else. Until Nashville had that crazy, you know, 12-1-1 one one run. Chicago, Nashville, Columbus, and Dallas were all up and down. They were all right always around 500. It was always like, all right, Dallas beat Chicago. Chicago drops to 500. Dallas jumps to 500 or vice versa. Um, the teams, no team was taking advantage until Nashville recently did. Luckily for the Stars, as soon as Nashville took advantage, Dallas kind of came back and took advantage a little bit too. Um, the Stars are 4-0-2 in their last six. They just beat Columbus two games in a row. Uh, which they should with Columbus kind of folding themselves. Um, they beat Columbus twice and Nashville lost twice. Uh, so the Stars now sitting as of today, three points out of the fourth playoff spot with three games in hand on Nashville. Um, Chicago's still there. Chicago is a point ahead of Dallas. So therefore two points ahead, behind Nashville. Um, they do have two games. Stars have two games in hand on Chicago as well. But Chicago also kind of went with a little bit of a fold-ish um, scenario, getting rid of Soderberg, um, getting rid of Yanmark, and not really bringing in a whole lot um, for their their team. So, um, again, those players, Yanmark was a minus 16 or something crazy like that, and Soderberg had been a healthy scratch on and off. So it's not like they got rid of Debrinkit and really showed they weren't going to make a push, but they've been a team that, uh, you know, they went on a big run, and since then they've been very mediocre Um so we'll see. They're they're still in it, but Nashville seems to be the biggest threat. Um, Nashville will play Chicago the next three games straight, so that'll be big to see who comes out of that, um, whether it's still kind of a wash or whether it's one team really taking off ahead of the other. But essentially, Dallas holds their own fate. Um, they got the three games in hand. They got three points behind, so they hold their own fate in terms of the playoff spot, and they're really starting to play well. Uh, it's been really, really great to see that, you know, we've talked multiple times um, during the podcast or on articles I've written, whatever it is about the team has looked like a good team and has played better than their record shows. I mean, they're only, they're one of two teams that is a plus goal differential and not in a playoff spot. Just them and the New York Rangers are the only teams that are plus uh, Dallas sitting at, I believe plus eight now, maybe plus nine and New York being a ridiculous plus 28. Cause they score eight and nine goals a game. Um, but those are only two teams. So the stars are, are not only scoring, but they're, in the top three of goals against uh, almost every season, including this season. And they're in the top three of shots against. And lately, it has been just no shots against. Uh, the The odd man rushes against are disappearing. The shots against are disappearing. They're holding teams to like 10 to 12 after two periods uh, in most games now. And the goalies aren't getting tested. And then the biggest thing that's happened as well is the puck is going in when they get that chance. And the save is being made when that chance comes against. And that's what they were missing so much in the early season. They'd outplay a team for so long, and then they'd come down on a two-on-one, and the other team would score, and they'd lose in overtime, or whatever it was. 
And lately, it hasn't been that way. It's been the opposite. It's been Hudobin making a big save on a breakaway. It's been Ottinger coming out and making a save on a two-on-one or a three-on-one. Um, and then the Stars coming down the other way. And when they get their chance, the other team breaks down, they're scoring. It used to be that they would either get a, a good chance and the goalie would make a ridiculous save or they'd hit the post or it just wasn't going in. Now, all of a sudden, it's not only getting they're getting the shot off and they're making good plays with the puck, but they're putting it in the net. Um, that's been huge for them. Uh, their starts have been better. They've been scoring a lot more in the first period. They've been one of the worst first period teams for a while now. Um, as far as goal scoring, they're also one of the best, the stingiest as far as goals against. But uh, you kind of expect when you watch a Stars game, okay, it's either going to be one nothing or 0-0, essentially. Um, and it's not been that way lately. I mean, they've jumped on they jumped on Florida 3-0 in the first five minutes. Uh, they've jumped on on Columbus to put up three goals, but their second periods are has always been their best, and lately that's been especially true. Uh, just last night they put up four in the second period against Columbus, and the other night the night before they put up three, I believe, in the second period, all in those short spans that we're so used to seeing from last year's bubble, where they just go off and uh, and put in three or put in four in a really short sequence and completely flip the game. So. The things are starting to happen for them. Um, they've scored three or more games in almost every game in April. Um, they've put up four. They've put up five. They've won games that, that they're scoring six, which they basically never used to do. Um, and they're they're still playing stingy on the defensive side. As much as they're scoring, they're, they're playing well defensively, which is really, really good. Um, and looking at the teams ahead of them, like I said, Dallas is a plus nine, I believe, now in goal differential, while Nashville and Chicago are negative. 16, negative 16 and negative seven, respectively, for those two. So uh, they're playing like they should be in that spot. And the good news, if you were looking at points percentage, which of course doesn't you know, mean anything significant because the Stars have to win their games in hand, but as of points percentage right now, sitting here on Sunday, April 18th at 1.43 p.m., the Dallas Stars are sitting in that fourth and final playoff spot. So Good news, they're looking like they're finally putting things together, and a lot of those pieces are coming together at the same time. Two of those really big pieces are that players that were really struggling, Jamie Benn and Dennis Gurionov, are absolutely trending upwards. Let's start with Jamie Benn. We've, we've spoken a little bit about him because he, he wasn't having a great year. He had zero power play goals up until uh, almost the end of March. Uh, actually, possibly the beginning of April. I can't remember if it was the last day of March or the end of, or beginning of April against Nashville was his first one. Now all of a sudden he's got six power play goals. He's got, he's got eight points in the last 10 games, um, and he's playing really, really well. And I believe it was five games ago they moved him to center because they were really, really injured down the middle. Uh, it was one of the games that Hintz wasn't playing. And he used to play center a lot uh, back in the day, but he's a, he's a true winger, but he has been a dominant force at center. He has won like 70% of his face-offs in the game since they moved him to center. He's making plays all over the ice. Um, just last night, a perfect example, wins a battle against uh, away from the boards, takes it a player, a Columbus player away from the puck, wins the puck, chips it off the boards on a great pass that leads to a two-on-one and eventually a goal for the Stars. Um, and he's been making those plays consistently. He's going into that kind of beast mode. It used to be a little more inconsistent sometimes the last couple of years where he'd go three games where he looked like the old Jamie Benn who's skating through people. He's hitting everybody. He's scoring goals. He's got the hands in tight. Um, and he looks like a dominant force. And he looks like he's having fun out there. He's talking to other teammates, which, correct me if I'm wrong, is there anyone else that talks more to the opponents than Jamie Benn? I don't think there is. So he just... 
he's constantly talking to other players, not necessarily talking trash, at least from the way he's looking as emotions don't show it, but he's always talking to goalies after they make saves or uh, grabbing players and talking to them. But he looks like the old Jamie Benn a little bit lately. Um, and what's helped that a lot is that Denis Gurionov, who we know has struggled so mightily this year, um, he's 20 goal scorer last year, 29, including the playoffs. And he only had six all season up until about a couple weeks ago. Two games ago against Columbus, he just needs something to happen for him to get a little momentum. But since April 1st, when he had that his, one of his best games against Nashville, he has been trending upwards a little bit. He's not scoring necessarily, but he's getting a little couple more points here and there, and he's looking a little bit more like his old self. The Dennis Gurionov the Stars need is the one who flies up and down the rink like Rope Hints, burning people on the wings. He's he's getting on top of defensemen. He's forechecking hard, and he's getting a lot of shots. He used to get last year. He had a ton of shots per game. That's what came out two nights ago in Columbus on um, on Thursday night. Was that old Dennis Gurionov? He was flying. Um, early on, he gets the goal on a nice little play to tie the game in the second period or first period. Uh, Dickinson keeps it in, chips it on net. Gurionov tips it, gets a, a good save, picks up his own rebound and puts it in the net on the backhand. And he, he kind of shrugged it off like, finally, like I, I, I've gone two streaks now where I haven't scored for 15 games. It was really big for him to get that goal and you could see the weight come off his shoulders. And then after that, he was the star's best player straight up. He was he was flying. He was dominant on the wing and ended up scoring another goal that game and, and adding an assist for a three point night. Um, and he, and he got the break. His second goal was a shot from the corner that he banked off Delzato's shin pads and in that's the break that not only was he not getting, but the stars were never getting that break. Um, and finally he got it and you can see it. So then just last night, Saturday night, he comes out and he looks just the same. He's flying, ends up scoring another goal on his one-timer from the wing, which has been completely non-existent this season. As we, Anyone who watched them last year in the playoffs knows it very well. As soon as he found that, that one-timer on the right wing, especially on the power play, he started just hammering it, uh, most significantly when he put it in against Vegas to put the Stars to the Stanley Cup final. But he, he puts that in, and that was one of the better goals that I've seen all season from the Stars. You know, it's up there with the uh, Robertson-Pavelski-Hints goal to beat Tampa in the last couple minutes where Ben wins the puck. Great play. Puck goes in the air. Ben wins it on his own boards in the corner, knocks the play, uh, I think it was Delzato off the puck, chips it off the boards up to Gurionov. Gurionov skates in on a two-on-one. Lately, his two-on-ones, you know, he gets a two-on-one or a two-on-two or whatever, and he just kind of panics. He thinks too much. He either gets rid of it too quick or he takes too long and doesn't make a play. This time, he's very patient. Not only does he not force the pass, he doesn't really have a shooting lane. He slows up, finds Jamie Benn as the late trailer, who does a quick give-and-go back to him from a low-angle one-timer for the goal. It was just a very, very beautiful play and something that the Stars can really, really build on Um they needed that line to step up. Uh, there's been a, different players in that spot. Dickinson, most lately. Um, Foxo was in there a little bit. So with the emergence of the Robertson-Hintz-Pavelski line, they needed another line to step up um, so that those those fourth-line guys are going to be all the young guys, the Tanner Caros, um, the lower-end depth players, and the third line, we know what they do, the Foxacomo-Cagliano uh, line. So if those two lines can step up, it allows them to not have to pull the third line players off that line and separate things and we can get a little more flow and roll the lines like they were last season. 
um, and that's finally happening for them. So really good for the captain to be to get going and Gurionov to get going. A lot of good signs for the stars there. Um, the other thing, like I said, is earlier is Ottinger and Hudobin have really picked up their play. Um, Ottinger not not as much uh, fell off a little bit, but Hudobin specifically really was not playing as well um, going back a few weeks. Got back after Ottinger started a bunch of games after the whole COVID situation with Hudobin, and Hudobin has been really, really good. Um, Ottinger still looks just as calm and confident and play, has played really well, even in their losses. I think he had like 70 saves against Carolina in the two games or something crazy. Um, so even when they're not winning, their goalies are keeping them in games, which is a really good sign because it wasn't happening. They are go- Ottinger would have an amazing game, and then one bad goal would go in, and that would be the end of the game for the Stars. Or Same thing with Hudobin. So they've been playing really well. They're getting much more consistent goalie play. Um, the Like I said, the Robertson-Hintz-Pavelski line has still been very dominant. Hintz and Robertson both had two points last night. Robertson, I think, now only trails Kaprizov by like three points for the lead, uh, all-rookie scoring. And um, Pavelski scored again last night, which has been good. He hadn't had a goal in a little bit. Um, I think he has two in the last three games, something like that. And Hintz, whenever he's in a lineup, is the star's best forward. That's just how it is. He's he's looking a little bit more consistent as well. Um which is good news for them. I think he's played six of the last seven, which is the most he's played since back before his injury this season. Um, so if he's getting a little bit more limber and, and they're not, they said nothing about Jim Neal said straight up, he's not going to be pulled out. It's not like this is going to be a, the same situation as Radulov or, or Bishop. Hint says he's feeling good and he's getting used to it. So he's going to keep playing and as much as he can play. Um, and what, it's been really helpful for them to get these leads like the four to one and five to one wins because they're able to not put hints every second shift and not put Klingberg and not put Haskin and Haskin was playing like 27 minutes a game in certain nights. So it's been really helpful to just roll the lines, let all three pairs play and really rest your guys. Um, so that it, because they're playing every other night now, um, this is the first time today is their first time Sunday off in, I think six weeks, maybe they've played four games in six nights every week for the last two months, essentially. And they've played Saturday, Sunday, back-to-back almost every week for the last eight weeks. So it's huge to have some rest days, but they know that coming up is going to be just as hard as schedule-wise because they're going to have – they're making up for all their games. Them and Vancouver now are playing a crazy amount of games, almost a game every every night (laughs) at this point. Um, So it's huge for them to have a little bit of of rest, uh, you know, going into it. And going going off of that with their – with their, you know, being tired and playing so many games – the coaches and even the players have spoken out about it. Their effort in games is incredible. They might have a game where they're slow a little bit for the first period or, or whatever because they're playing four games in six nights, but they're coming into four games in six nights back-to-back playing in Nashville, and they look like a playoff team who just they just put everything on the line. Um, and props to Nashville, too. I think they were in the same situation, so they were... I mean, you're just running on empty at that point. You're playing four games in six nights. A couple of them go to overtime. You're playing a playoff-centered game where the the result is huge, and you're giving everything you have, and you're blocking shots, and you're going all out. Um, and just big props to this team. It shows what we saw last year in the bubble, that they can just push through anything. And real big props to the leadership, Ben, Bonus, all those guys for really pushing this team. Um, and the culture in Dallas is something that I, I haven't seen in a while. Um, this past two seasons, since Bonus took over, Montgomery did a great job and they were a great team. But since Bonus took over, I have just seen a, a swagger that I haven't seen from the Stars in a very, very long time. 
where they just feel truly the whole next man up mentality, the whole NHL goes by it, but they really believe that no matter who gets injured, they're still in it. And you, you don't see, you know, everybody says next man up and, uh, you know, your, your star player gets hurt and someone else got to step up. That's, that's how you want to approach it. But you don't even see like a little bit of hesitation from the team. You don't see Jamie Ben even thinking that I really wish Sagan was here. It's just like, they're just so ready for anything that comes at them. And I think that is a massive, massive thing. If they're able to make a push and make this playoff uh, spot, look out. Look out for whoever plays them because they are fighting through a lot. And the other good news for the team, Tyler Sagan was not pushed off for the season. His recovery is going great. He actually skated in his first practice uh, a couple of days ago. He skated in everyone since. Uh, quote, I'm, I'm quoting practice, air quotes over here, because the Stars don't have practices anymore because uh, they don't have days off. But their morning skates um, are the way that they practice, essentially. And Sagan's been skating. Uh, it looks like he is estimated right now. It could change, of course, to return around the 26th, which is in about a week, um, eight days specifically. I think I'm doing math right. Um, so he could come back for about the last nine to 10 games for them if that holds true. And that is, we don't even need to get into how big Sagan returning is. Just scoring face-offs, penalty killing, true two-way center, more dynamic, allows them to bring... Um, I mean, the biggest thing is I just went ahead a couple of days ago and put up what the stars and lines would look like if they were fully healthy. And it's scary. And obviously, they're not going to get to that because there's no Bishop, no Radulov. Kiviranta is still a while away with his injury. But it is really scary to look at the fact that it could be like a, a Hintz-Robertson-Pavelski first line with a Sagan. Uh, obviously, Radulov was in there. Sagan, Radulov, and, and Ben as a second line. Now put Gurionov, who's playing really well, in that second line spot for Radulov. Now maybe it's Sagan, Sagan and Ben reunited from back from back in the day, which is the, one of the best duos that ever was, I think, in uh, in recent years. And put a, a speeding hot Gurionov on the wing, and then you look at your bottom six, and you got your FCC line, and you got your your uh, bottom three, whoever that may be, and then their D pairs are one of the top four, one of the best top four in the league. With Alexiak and, and Haskinen as your second pair, Miro, obviously, one of the best defensemen in the league. Klingberg and Lindell is your first. It's a great balance. Now they add Votten in, so they have the Piss, uh, Mark Pesic, Andre Sekera, Joel Hanley just signed an extension, and Votten in. They basically have four guys to play the last two spots. Um, so it can be a really, really good team, even without Radulov and Bishop, who make the team much better. Um, so... Honestly, look out, especially if they play. I think Tampa might be their their most <laughs> team they don't want to play in the first round. Um, but as of right now, that division is up for grabs. All three, Carolina, Florida, and Tampa, are right neck and neck with each other. So the Stars could play any one of those teams if they make that final playoff spot. Um, but still work to be done. They need to get points. They play Nashville one more time. They play Chicago two more times. Um, and they're they're just going to have to win their games. And as of right now, they're looking good 4-0-2. Um, if they can keep this going, Nashville is falling, seems to be falling off a little bit now. I think they've lost three of the last four. Chicago seems to be bouncing back and forth. So I think if they can be a little more consistent, they'll be the team that jumps into that fourth spot. And, uh, that'd be really exciting as I didn't see that coming a couple weeks ago, um, when all things seem to be going downhill. So one thing that they're going to have to fix is their overtime and shootouts. They are if this was an 82-game schedule, the Stars would most likely break the record for most overtime losses. They have 12 uh, overtime or shootout losses this season. That is not good. 
That is, that is not good. Um, they have two wins. Two. One in the shootout and one in overtime. The overtime win came in their third third or fourth game of the season against Detroit. And their shootout win was one of the only games that Radulov played in last last month or, fe- or end of February. Um, otherwise, they've lost 12 after regulation. So what that means just right up front is that's 12 points they could have. Even if you're a mediocre team, that's six points. That's massive. I mean, they're in the playoff spot right now. They're, they have a healthy lead on the playoff spot right now if they win six of those. Um, and they've had plenty of chances. If they're, as Bonus has said many times, their chances in overtime are just as good. They just don't score on them, and the other team does. Um, shootouts, now there is a specific performance error. Um, I want to jump back here for a second. The first year of the NHL shootout, 2005, the Stars were the best team in the shootout. They went 12-1 and that season. And if you look at the stats of the specific players, you know exactly why. UC Okunin, who might have been the best shootout player ever, was 10 and sorry, 10 for 13. That's absurd. That is far better than anybody is right now. 10 for 13 on the season. He as I just was hearing on the Stars podcast, he used to have this this thing he'd always go to the bench, he'd do something with his gloves, he'd have the trainer do something with his gloves, and then he would go and he'd score whether it was his one-handed move or his low blocker move, um, 10 for 13. Then next up in the spot, Sergei Zuboff, 7 for 12. If they needed to get to the third spot, which a lot of times they didn't, Mike Madano was your third guy. How about that? Just in case you need a little help, here's the greatest American uh, player of all time. He went 3 for 7 that season. The reason why they didn't necessarily need him a lot is because Marty Turco was back there being one of the best goalies in the shootout. He allowed nine goals total on thir- on 13 shootouts that season. In comparison, the Stars this season have allowed 10 goals on only 21 shots in, uh, I think, five shootouts, six shootouts maybe. So <laughs> that is a massive, massive, massive difference. Um, and the issue is pretty clear with that. The Stars this year, if you look at their players specifically, Radulov's two for three. The rest of the team is three for 19. And that includes, that's not like, I mean, of course, Sagan is one of their best and has always been one of their best. Radulov's been out a lot. But that includes Rope Hintz, Dennis Gurionov, Miro Haskinen, John Klingberg, Jamie Benn, Joe Pavelski, all of these guys, Jason Robertson now, all these guys that you think should be scoring. And Joe Pavelski has been really good in his career. But three for 19. I mean... It's going to happen again. There's still 13 games, I believe, left in the season. So it's going to happen where they get to at least overtime, but probably another shootout or two uh, with how close these games are towards the end. They have to figure out a solution because you can't lose out on these points. I know that winning, losing in overtime is better than losing in regulation, but a lot of these games were there for them to win in regulation, um, and they lost the point versus gaining a point. If you know, like a lot of games, you come back from like Tampa when they lost in the in the shootout. They came back from two nothing or two goal deficit with a minute left. That's that's gaining a point. A lot of these games are they're leading in the third period, can't get that extended goal. Game gets tied, they lose in overtime. So, you know, possible fix, fixes for this. I don't really know. Um, as Razor has said though, I think the solution is mix it up a little bit. Um, you can't just sit around and wait for Joe Pavelski to have better luck and stop hitting the post or wait for Jamie Benn to be 
you know, how he was in the shootout early on in his career versus recently, or just hope that Robertson just keeps scoring on his attempts. Uh, because the problem is that it's, first of all, you, you just can't wait on that because you only have a couple more left. Like we said, it's not like they have, they're going to have a full season of shootouts again, and they're going to, you know, have time to get get adjusted. It may come down to the fact that if they don't get the shootout point, that that's misses, means they miss the playoffs. Um, so I would I would mix it up. I would give first of all, Haskinen should be out there in my mind. He's scored on almost every breakaway I've ever seen him score been on. I think he scored in his only shootout attempt. Um, so I'd put him out there. I'd keep Robertson. Robertson's been doing pretty well, and then I'd mix it up a little bit. Um, throw in somebody else. I mean, Gurionov's getting hot. Throw in Gurionov. Um, throwing Klingberg, who is a you know a pretty good sniper, maybe mix it up and watch in practice who's doing well on breakaways. Throw in like a who knows who a Dickinson or someone who maybe isn't a traditional skill player, but someone who can definitely um, mix it up and maybe get hot. That's how you find those secret shootout guys. It's not like UC Jokinen was a fifty goal scorer. Um, same with Zuboff. Zuboff was a defenseman. Um, Mike Ribeiro was a, a pretty skilled player. And he was one of the best they ever had. So, you know, you can find these guys that are great at shootouts. TJ Oshie is a great example of, you know, he's a great player, but he's not a, you don't think of him as like a, wow, he's just a pure sniper goal scorer. That's at least in my mind, he's one of the best that ever done, ever did it, especially going back to the the Olympics when he was, uh, when he was their shooter for like a hundred attempts in that one game. But I just think you got to mix it up a little bit. And unfortunately, uh, their goalie play has been pretty bad on the shootout. Ottinger's new, new to it, so it's a little understandable. Hudobin's just never been very good at it, and Bishop's one of the best. So they miss Bishop in that in that area especially, um, but their goalies have to be a little bit better. I mean, 10 goals on 21 attempts just isn't going to cut it. These A lot of these goalies that are the best right now, you're never going to be like 90%, but these goalies are sitting at 70%, um, you know, 75% even in some of these teams, and the Stars, it almost feels like all right, if they don't score in the shootout on one of the first two shooters, they lost because they're going to get scored on on the other side. And that's a terrible feeling to have confidence-wise as a shooter. A lot of pressure on you as a shooter and a lot of pressure on you as a goalie where it's like I have to stop all three of these guys because vice versa, if I don't stop all three of them, we're going to lose because they're not going to score. Um, so I don't agree with the shootout. I don't think it should be there anymore. I think they should figure out a way to get rid of it. But as of now, that is a key point to get in a game winning the shootout. So they need to figure out how to do it. Um, with all that being said, we like I said, we're sitting here in a lot better spot than the Stars thought they would be in. They are only three points out with games in hand. Uh, they got 13 games left. Their next four all against Detroit, which is could be great or could be a meltdown. If they win th- three or even all four would be great. If they win three, maybe go 3-0-1. Um, it could really set them up for success later on, especially because these are basically their last home games of the season. After this, they play a ton of road games, including the last seven. I think all seven are in, on the road to finish the season. So it's huge to get points here, getting themselves a little bit of a gap. Um, actually, I think their last home game after these four against Detroit is in May against Nashville. So um, that's an interesting interesting situation there um, that could play out. But uh, good news for the Stars. It looks like things are, are picking up. And at the very least, for all you Stars fans, you get to watch important, meaningful hockey probably until the last game. And as they've said, all the players have said and the coaches have said, if it takes till game 56, we will be here till game 56. And it just might. 
Um, it might take them until the, the very last week. We've seen some seasons where they've come down to the last game, um, whether they need to win or they need to win and have help or um, you know all those scenarios that happen all the time in the end. And you don't see it as much in hockey as you do in football and things like that to play less games. But it may come down to the fact that they need to beat Chicago those last two games and they need Nashville to lose one or whatever it might be. So enjoy the fact that you're watching the Stars play meaningful hockey. The fact that there's even a season, don't forget, is amazing as this military airplane flies over me. Um, <laughs> but just enjoy the, the Stars finishing the season. Um, get to watch all the different jerseys. They wore their blackouts last night. They're wearing their retros on national television tomorrow against Detroit. And then again on Tuesday against Detroit because those are games that got pushed from earlier that they were supposed to wear them, I think, or at least one of them. Um, and so just enjoy it and have fun with it. Um, as far as the rest of the league goes, so we know where the stars are. We talked a little bit about the central. I want to go real quick through the my power rankings for the season um, or for the current NHL. There's been some jumps. It hasn't been as consistent as I thought it was. I mean, Tampa was a, was far and away the top team for a long time. Um, and there's been a lot of movement. So I'm just going to go through real quick um, from bottom to top. Number 17, I purposely, if you're wondering, there's a reason why I picked 17. It's because I have the Dallas Stars as number 17. So instead of doing the top 15 or 16, I decided to do 17 so I could include the Stars, um, who I really think are finally pushing into the towards the, the power rankings, which they haven't been in since basically January. Um, so Dallas Stars sitting at 17. Montreal Canadiens at 16. New York Rangers at 15. Again, they're, they've been a really a good team that had a lot of trouble early. Um, they're not in a playoff spot, and they probably won't be because Boston's winning a lot of games. Um, but they are uh, playing a lot better lately. Uh, Nashville Predators at number 14. As we said, they went like 12-1-1 before their last you know little bit of struggle. Uh, so they drop a little bit on my list here. Edmonton Oilers are at number 13. I'm so interested to see what happens when they, if they make the playoffs. They, they should. Um, if they make the playoffs, if they can really do something, just like Toronto, uh, where it seems like they have all the tools but just never put it together in the postseason. Um, so interested to see that. Then number 12, I got the Boston Bruins, who we just spoke about earlier, who hold a decent lead on that fourth playoff spot in the East. Um, the number 11, Minnesota Wild, who have surprised everybody this season. I think everyone thought they'd battle for a playoff spot, but they've been much better than people thought they would be. Um, so they should be a playoff lock for the most part. Winnipeg Jets at number 10. Uh, it will be kind of scary for them in a way. We talked about last week how they really need defense, and they only got Jordy Ben out of it, and I don't think he's their solution. So we'll see if they're able to defend their way. Um, they should be a playoff spot in playoff spot as well, but... Number nine, Pittsburgh Penguins. Another surprise where I think that they were they were awful earlier in the year. Um, and, you know, you kind of looked at their roster and you could see why with their defense, defensive core and depth scoring just being non-existent. Uh, but they're getting it now and they're winning games. So I got them at number nine. Number eight, I have the Florida Panthers. They, they're normally higher on my list, but they've struggled a little bit lately. I think they lost three, of, three in a row and five, four or five. Um, not scoring as many goals. They're struggling a little bit with that, so drop them down to eight. Number seven, I got the New York Islanders. Pretty solid team all season. Number six, Tampa Bay Lightning. So that's that's been a big move for them. They've dropped a little bit. Uh, I think they're only 5-5-0 only five, five and oh in their last 10. Um, not winning a whole lot of games. You know, Still up there in the top because they had built themselves a nice lead, uh, but they are they need to kind of pick it up a little bit here. They made some moves in the, in the deadline as well, obviously. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, number five. 
I only put them this low. I think they could be top two or three. I only put them this low because of their past, and I just <laughs> I just worry they're going to do what they've done where they get to the playoffs and maybe even get all the way to the semifinals because they're in the North and they only play division in the first two rounds. But as me and Warren talked about last week, I don't know what they're going to do when they match up against a Tampa or someone like that. So number five, uh, number four, Washington Capitals. They've been one of the top teams all season. They're scoring a lot of goals. Ovechkin has been hot lately. Uh, they just added Mantha, which I think was a terrible trade, especially for how much they picked up. But he scored a goal, I believe, in his first game. Um, I don't think he's a great player, honestly. And after watching him play on uh, Friday, maybe, um, I agree. I stand by that. I think he's kind of a little bit lazy and doesn't really make the, the tough plays. So maybe Washington can get him into that role. I think he's a highly skilled player and maybe he's got some learning to do. He's still young, um, but we'll see. Carolina Hurricanes, number three, arguably the most consistent team of the season. They haven't had a lot of big drops. Um, they've been kind of right there in the top uh, pretty much all season. And they are a very, very good team. The Stars played them hard a couple weeks ago, only came out with one win, but they are a tough team to play against. Um, and I, I you know, think they're going to have success, especially in that first round, fighting for the number one seed in the Central. Number two, the Vegas Golden Knights, who actually had dropped a little bit last week, but picked it up. I think they won three in a row now. Um, they're getting some scoring again, and uh, Leonard and Fleury are both playing really well, which I've talked about a ton. I wasn't sure how that situation would go, whether it would be good for them or bad to have two starting goalies. Um, but if they can get them both playing like they are right now, that is good to have, especially in the playoffs. Number one, Colorado Avalanche have been on fire, uh, scoring a ton of goals. The big difference this year for Colorado that actually puts them in my number one is that they're also top five in goals against. Uh, and that's not normally the case with them. They normally, normally you look at Colorado and you're like, all right, they're, they're going to score goals. We know that it's similar to like a Pittsburgh team um, of old or, you know, watching Toronto or Washington play. But it's not the case anymore. They are not winning every game, you know, seven nothing. They're they're they have done that as well. Uh, but they're winning some some low scoring games, and they're able to defend their way. Um, I believe they're I don't know if they're four or five now on the goals against the season, but um, they are the number one team this week for me. And we'll see how that changes now going in the last few weeks of the season, uh, as we near the playoffs, which I'm so so excited for. Uh, we'll get more into the playoffs as we get closer on the podcast here and start predicting our matchups and looking into match matchups and things like that. But um, I'm just so excited that we're getting close to it. It's going to be so fun to watch, so weird to watch too, because I think that every fan, at least specifically me, just wants those teams to get to the semifinals and get the heck out of these divisions, man. Oh, my God, I'm so sick of watching the same team three nights in a row against the Stars, um, and I'm just sick of seeing Columbus and Detroit and Chicago and Tampa, and I just can't wait till they go back to hopefully what the old divisions were. Um where you can travel a little bit more and, and play teams not three nights in a row and not four nights in a row. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with the layout because um, basically it, it'll be all interdivision the first two rounds, and then after that is the highest seeds playing the lowest seeds straight up. No Eastern Conference, no Western Conference. So you'll get some very, very fun matchups uh, that you wouldn't normally see until maybe the Stanley Cup final. But very excited, uh, hoping that the Stars are in it. It uh, seems like they are trending upwards and are getting closer. Uh, hopefully, Mr. Tyler Sagan gets in and helps them a lot. I know I miss watching him play. And um, good things on the horizon. So, Stars will play Detroit four times this week starting tomorrow. Check it out on NBC Sports Network. It's I think it's their last nationally televised game. 
one of the last NBC games until the playoffs, and then NBC will be out after the season when ESPN taken over on their new deal. Um, so check that out, and thank you guys so much for listening again. Next week, we will dive in with Warren to more of the playoffs and the, around the league. We'll also dive into a new segment that uh, my man Andrew Bull suggested where we'll actually be picking uh, five fantasy players for the week, and then we'll be analyzing those players and seeing who comes out on top between me and Warren as kind of a draft uh, that we'll do each week going forward. So I'm very excited for that. Um, thank again, I said it a bunch of times, but thank you guys so much for listening. Ten episodes now, eleven episodes. I am I am overwhelmed with joy and excitement. I love doing this, and the fact that I have people that actually want to hear me talk for forty minutes is is mind blowing. So thank you guys so much for listening, and I will see you next week for the Slapshot Sammy podcast. Yeah.